What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richard Geek Podcast. Today, we have Cody Bugen. This guy wow. is an entrepreneur, investor, mentor. 20-year veteran of land, and it's all about the dirt with this guy. He does projects across the United States. He has a lot of experience in acquisitions, entitlements, off-market, raw land, and he's the founder of VestRight. It's a company he created to share his knowledge and make a difference in people's lives by teaching them how to put together land acquisition deals. And, of course, what we all want is reap the rewards. He's, uh, his mission is purpose to uh, impact people, fulfillment, to help those change their lives and willing to adopt new business models like me. He's going to try to convince me to get in the dirt. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, man. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. And we just found out, everybody, that his office is about two miles from my house. So uh, we're both uh, Scottsdale, and that's why I'm up north right now. I don't want that 100-degree heat. But uh, So tell me a little bit. We'll, we'll jump into the land. What got you involved in the land part? Well, um, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit so that you'll, 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 you'll get it. But, uh, we'll just start at this point in my life. I got my high school girlfriend pregnant. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> so Great. instead of heading off to college, I went to the school of hard knocks, you know, kind of reality check, went right into the trades. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was at the union just long enough to be able to afford my baby boy that was <laughs> right around the corner. So, but with being in those trades, you know, I started connecting, um, you know, we, we did floors and counters, interior design. And I just, I started building relationships with a lot of the home builders, which also happened to be land developers. Um, you know, some of them, many more today, not as many back then, but just, you know, one thing led to another. I was in the trades for about five years and was young buck driven, did some really great things in the trades, but I got to a point, I was like, well, I'm either going to open my own flooring store now because I'm running this guy's store for him, or I'm going to go do something different. And one thing led to another and, and I jumped all in and, you know, that was, that was, <laughs> that was 21 years ago. I was 24 years old. And, and, uh, you know, I gotta say when you, when you make that leap of faith, you know, I, um, actually right behind me, I have a board that says fearless faith on it. Right. And, um, and it's, it's, it's one of my key things I'm focused on right now is, is, is just fearless faith. Just fear is not real and fear controls so many people, right. And their decisions and the things they do and they don't do. But, you know, when you're 24 years old, um, you might, you might be willing, you might be willing to jump off a few more cliffs than you are as you get a little bit older, but, 
Um, anyways, I made the leap at 24, man, and just went into it, started out home building and then quickly started getting into the land side of the game. And, you know, that's, that's so true that I think when you get involved in any type of investing, it is a leap of faith Mm. and a good friend of mine, he goes, that, that fear that you talk about, it's real inside your head, but it's not (laughs) the truth is what he says you know yeah. just you got to get out there and just jump jump off that cliff because you'll realize it's like you don't want to be like me and it's like going ah, okay i should overcome that fear five years ago instead of waiting now it's sure like, it's it, and we can all say that um so fast forward you've been you, you started from the building into some land what made you do go there instead of the the single family the multifamily or did you do some of that but then you ended up sticking with the land part yeah so um you know i'm gonna keep it real simple (laughs) you know i'm a meat and potatoes guy grew up in a small little town called damascus oregon that got its first street signal i think when i was in high school right so i'm a meat and potatoes basic guy Here's what I know. (laughs) People always need a roof over their head. People need a place to live. And so to keep it really simple, that's why I've always focused on residential, right? Mm -hmm. And nothing against your asset class or many of my other buddies' asset classes is is that I I understand the different asset classes and why they're important and why they're valuable and why they're needed and why there's demand and some more than others right now. But uh you know, I just residential just makes sense to me. And so it doesn't matter if it's single family or resident or, or multifamily, we do both. Uh, and I'll even take it a step further. You know, what we specialize in is finding, and I've built hundreds and hundreds of homes and I've developed tons of projects, you know, subdivisions and done all the, you know, the streets and the utilities and the street lights and all the infrastructure, right? Done tons of over my career. Um, also lost my ass on numerous deals in the great recession, but that's a whole nother topic. But, um, where we came to figure out or realize is that we felt like we could bring the most value to the marketplace and we could really carve out a niche, right? They say, what do they say? The riches are in the niches, um, that we could, we could really anchor ourselves in as the authority or as an expert in the entitlement space is, is that I can go into like a good buddy of mine, Ken McElroy, right? He's got his event, you know, here in a couple of days called limitless, right? Right up the street from my office. And I can't make it cause I got to go to some event somewhere else, a mastermind, but um, I'll speak at it next year, I think. But uh, you know, I can walk into limitless and there'll be thousands of real estate experts there. Okay. And I will either be the only one or one of the only people in the whole room that would be comfortable calling myself an expert at entitlements, right? Or understanding the process of how to take a raw piece of land and turn it into an approved development. There's an art to it. It's political, but it's, it's tr- you bring tremendous value to our country. If you understand how to go find that raw land 
and how to get that raw land entitled or improved or approved by the jurisdiction. Tremendous value. Our clients love us. Uh, and, and, and related specifically, and I don't mean to ramble, but related specifically to residential, the housing shortage is real, people. Whether you want to believe it or not, it is real. It's a real crisis. And for us, the fact that we, me plus my company and, and the students and the people that we're teaching, or even passively, maybe you don't want to be active. Maybe you just want to be passive. And we talked about fearless faith a second ago, or fearless, you know, fear. I don't care if it's active or passive, okay? When it comes to investing, you know, whether it's your time or your money, fear can creep in, right? And and so as we, you know, we are we are focused on us plus our investors plus our students. We are going to make a difference in this crisis. We are going to make an impact on this shortage. And mark my words, and I've been saying this since August of 2022. Mark my words you will see the housing shortage expose itself in a very, very big way in 2024. And, and so as a company, we're, we have one word for 23, and that is gather. We are gathering people and properties, right? People and properties, people and properties. The talent of the people that I'm picking up right now for my team, I couldn't have touched a year and a half ago, okay? We are picking up amazingly talented people because we believe come 24, we are going to take off like a rocket ship or like a slingshot because the shortage is going to fully expose itself. So I know I hit a lot of topics there, brother, but, um, but you know, when I get on that soapbox, I just like to go. So anyways, uh, keep, no, it's, keep, that's keep it perfect. Away. That's perfect because it's, 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 it's getting the gears going to our listeners and, you know, and it's yeah. really nice, but one of the things that I'm thinking of, so it's not just, flipping raw dirt or holding raw dirt you're actually no. taking it to these next levels because you know i've, I've heard yeah. of some I mean, you want to make real money in real estate people you want to make real money here again i don't care if it's passively or actively you want to make real money in real estate bring value to the asset okay hmm. well guess what guess how you can't guess who doesn't bring value to the asset and we, you and i were just talking about a mutual friend before we hit record mm -hmm. The reality is his business model, he doesn't bring any value to the asset, okay? All these wholesalers, there's wholesalers and flippers. There are a dime a dozen. There's five of them on every damn street corner, right? The reality is, why are they on a hamster wheel? Why are they chasing their tail? Why do they got to do a million transactions to make any type of real money? It's because they don't bring any value to the asset, mm. right? This is that you want to make real money in real estate? Figure out how to improve the value of the asset, we have this thing here at Allied and we say it's 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 the four keys to unlock the magic. We bring value to figure out how to bring value to the seller. We bring value to the jurisdiction, the government. We bring value to our buyer. And lastly, but just as importantly, we bring value to the asset. When we figure out how to bring value to all four of those components, right? All those four keys, those four pillars, that's where deals get really fun. So no, we are all about taking a raw piece of land that literally is farmland or whatever that has its as-is value or that is minuscule mm -hmm. compared to the value that it's worth once we get it approved for development. How do you find and deal with the logistics of not just staying local but going national? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's been a process. It's still a process. You know, we're scaling across the country. We're in numerous states from the west side of the the country to the east side, 
probably a bigger fan of the east side of the country, just to be frank. But um, uh, <laughs> that's a whole that's that's a that's another can yes. of worms. But um, you know, it's understanding first of all what makes a piece of property developable or have development potential. Okay, so like for instance, I was just meeting with our VP of operations just today. And we have these different steps to our acquisition process. And, and the first step is when a lead comes in, whether it's from one of my students that wants to partner with us, or whether it's from our cold callers, or whether it's from our direct mail, or wherever the lead comes from, okay, is, is that what makes it go from a lead to a qualified lead, okay? <laughs> and it's three basic things that where we will call it a qualified lead. It's one, does it check the five boxes of development potential? Those five boxes are, we review the topography of the land, okay? Because topography makes all the difference in development and with projects. We check, is there public access to the property? Meaning, can you get to it or is it landlocked? Does it have public utilities so that you can develop it with any amount of density? right? We check overlays because you might find a beautiful piece of property that checks all the boxes, but there's an environmental overlay over the whole thing, right? And then lastly, but really where it starts is zoning. Is it zoned for development now or can we rezone it for development? So we check those five boxes. Um, next is, is there demand in that particular market for whatever that product is? And then thirdly, is it do we have a property owner that's open or willing to entertain the idea of selling? Okay, so ready, willing seller checks the five boxes of development potential, and there's demand in the market. That's what takes it from in our company from a lead to a qualified lead. Yeah, and that's that's very interesting because, as you know, probably because we're, we're both here in Arizona, man, if you bought some land. A month ago, and all of a sudden, you found find out that the uh, the governor says, "Yeah, we're stopping all development or most of the development." And all of a sudden, you're just like, "What in the world?" You know, because of of some water rights and, and water issues. Um, you bring up a really good topic there, Michael, because you know one thing we teach and we do as ourselves is is that you know we pay a premium for this land. Okay, so let's just say let's just make up a hypothetical. Um, uh, example, let's just say farmland in this area of the country, wherever it is, is worth 10 grand an acre. Okay. Well, I might pay that seller. I might pay them, you know, I might pay them 30 grand an acre. I might even pay them 50 grand. An, I might pay them three to five times what it's as is value is. Okay. Um, but the key is, is is that the only way I can pay them that three to five times, I've even had times where it's more than that. I've had times where it's like eight times. Mm. Is is that I can't close on it until the development is approved. Is that if I'm going to pay for a diamond, I got to make sure it's a diamond and it's not a diamond until a government approves it, right? And so, and I, people, how do you get sellers to wait 18 months to get paid? <laughs> well, you, I don't know, you tell me. Like I can, let's just say it's, it's, it's whatever, 20 acres, Right. And it's, let's use that example of 10 grand an acre, Billy Bob property owner. Do you want me to pay you, um, 
what I say it was 20 acres. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. This is 20 acres, 10 grand an acre, right? So it's yeah. just, so do you want me to pay you 200, right? Or wait 18 months and I'll pay you 5X. I'll pay you a million. Can I tell you in my whole 21 year career, I've never had a property owner say, I'll take the money today, right? They're willing to wait, mm -hmm. right? In some ways you could look at it as, is that we're including them in the upside. And we're going to spend the money to get it approved. So we're going to go, we're going to go put it in the time and energy and money to, 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 to execute that value add process, right? Value add. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, the key is the reason I just brought that up is, is that if you're going to play in my space, I can't suggest enough. Do not close on the land until the development is approved. There's, there was some crazy stuff going on from middle of 20 to middle of 22 Guys doing all kinds of crazy shit, trying to come into my space, act like they know what they're doing. And they really didn't because they were terms and prices and things they were doing. A lot of those guys, they were coming into my space, paying as much as me or more and closing these things like a normal real estate transaction in 30 to 60 days. You know, who's in the corner crying right now, crying the blues, those guys, mm -hmm. right? So- mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one negotiation strategy. What are some of the other strategies to make sure you win that big deal or make not, not go under? Yeah. Um, as far as with the seller. Yeah. Just in, in just okay, making I'll, I'll sure you get another, that land. I'll bring up another something that I like to talk about. Okay. okay. We have a big sign in our office and it says win-win. Okay. Any of you that haven't really, some people think there's a winner and a loser. And I just don't believe that. And actually, I love the negotiation book out there called Never Split the Difference. But the one part of that book I don't like is he said win-wins aren't possible. But in all fairness to him, that you know, we got to take into consideration what he did for a living. But uh, you know, he was a he was a hostage negotiator. So um, but uh uh you know, we I don't care here again if it's the seller. I don't care if it's the jurisdiction and I don't care if it's your buyer. You want to have successful transactions. You want to create win-win transactions. Hot buttons, hot buttons, hot buttons. Before you start talking price or terms or what you want or don't want, just take some time to get to know the other party and figure out what's important to them. Figure out what their hot buttons are. Because the thing is, if you take care of their hot buttons, you can win everywhere else. That's how you create a successful transaction. And, and most of all, why is it, knock on wood, thank Jesus, why do we have the track record we do at Allied of getting our projects approved? In 21 years, any projects that I've gone before the jurisdiction to get it approved, I've gotten it approved. I've never not got a project approved in 21 years. You know why that is? That is because I see it's, it's, a, it's a mindset. Okay. Is that most people see the government or the jurisdiction? I'm not going to go political. Trust me, I have a lot of challenges as far as some of the political things and the political environment. But when it comes to my projects, okay, I don't see the jurisdiction as my enemy. I see them as my partner. Okay. Mm -hmm. How can I take care of them? And you know what? How usually how you take care of a jurisdiction? Figure out what's important to the public. That's what's important to the jurisdiction because they're elected officials. Okay. And so, I can't tell you how many times actually I've done things I'm not even required to do by the law or by the code. I do them 
because they're important to the jurisdiction because they're important to the public. And guess what? The public doesn't know what the, what the land use laws are or the code is, but I will do these things just because they're hot buttons. And that's what everybody's focused on. So, I mean, I say, I can't encourage that enough. Like leave your damn ego at the door and pick your battles. You know, I, that's, Everybody listen to that because it's everyone goes, ah, you stupid government, stupid jurisdiction. I, you know, I'll show them. Uh-huh. And then they try to laugh to the bank. And look, elected officials, officials a lot of times then realize it and get reelected and then they can make your life hell sometimes. And might as well just keep them your friend, right? <laughs> 100%. So let's I mean, talk. I'll tell you this. Sometimes we have a strategy at our company where I will intentionally fall on a sword or numerous swords just to make the jurisdiction look good to the public. Right. Absolutely. That's where leaving your ego at the door is key. Yeah. Like the goal is to get the project across the finish line. Right. Yeah. So like fall on some swords, who cares? Who cares? Cause your ego is going to the, your bank account. Yeah. Yeah. In a few years, oh. you know, that's, that's right. That's all that matters. And your and your investor. So let's talk about uh, Vestrite, company that you created. Uh, we've given a lot of people a lot of information. Now, how can they get that information? Yeah. So, uh, I I had this burning desire, conviction about four years ago was to make a difference, right? To to give back, and and that I know of, I'm the only one out there teaching entitlements. Right. I'm the only one teaching how to take raw land, how to go find raw land with development potential, get it through entitlements. The only one that I know of teaching that game. And so, uh, and that's at my company called Vestrite, V E S T R I G H T dot com, Vestrite.com. I teach what I do every day. And I can, Mark, do me a favor. If you want to learn from someone, learn from someone that's actually doing it. Okay. Absolutely. And not that they did it a decade, that they're doing it today. Right. So, um, but I actually created a link just for Michael, just for your, your audience. If they go to vestrite.com slash geek, right. <laughs> go yes. there. And, and I got a free playbook slash ebook that they can download and they will learn gobs about my business model and just digest it, read through it. And I can't guarantee it. I'd get in trouble by legal counsel, but I would be amazed if you don't come out the other side of, of, of consuming that playbook and know way more about entitlements and land than you did before you read it. Yeah. And I'm looking at it now. So everybody, again, vestrite.com slash geek, seven figure raw land paydays, how I turn raw land deals into seven figure paydays. It's a free report. It's free, everyone. Come on. Let's... Yeah, it's free. And it's, free. <laughs> it's from a guy that's done it and kind of knows what he's talking about. So, yeah. uh, Go to it again, another vestrite.com slash geek. Do it. Yep. Um, so are there programs? Is it, what When you go yeah, to Vestrite? Yeah, and that's more so of an active, it? right? That's mm-hmm. more of an active. Vestrite, we teach you how to actively play in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the seven-figure paydays are real. I mean, I, I, I'll just say this. I just had a student just a couple months ago had been a home builder, flipper, wholesaler for 20 years, okay? Mm-hmm. Made more on one deal implementing my business model than he had his whole 20-year career combined. He made over $10 million on one deal. 
Um, it's real. Oh. His name's Michael Foley. Look it up. Um, oh. But uh, and we have all kinds of phenomenal success stories. But so that's an active approach. And, you know, like, um, actually, I got a call with Brandon Turner right after I get off here with you. Right. If you know who Brandon Turner is, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, Beardy Brandon, you know, uh, Bigger Pockets, all that good stuff. He uh, uh, I don't care if you're Brandon Turner or, you know, my buddy Ken McElroy knows the space or I don't care who you are. Right. Um, if you are a real estate investor or a real estate operator, why would you not want to understand land entitlements? Because I don't care if you ever go do what I do. It's the backbone. It's the foundation of real estate. Every single real estate asset you're out there buying all started with the dirt, right? right. Like, why would you not want to understand? Like, I could go, you know, I was, I was doing a thing with Grant the other day, an interview, and I, and here's the reality. I can go after this. If, say, I want to get in the value-add apartment business, multifamily. <laughs> Okay. I have an advantage over Grant. Like when I was interviewing Grant, Grant was just, he was actually Mm -hmm. a kick interview. Yeah. He's been, I liked him a lot more at the end of the, yeah, I liked him a lot more at the end of the interview than I did before I knew him. But, um, uh, he didn't even know what entitlements are. Right. And so here's the thing is that if I understand code, if I understand land use entitlements, I understand this game. I could go after the same apartment complex as him and his team and have an advantage. Because I might see an opportunity of how to grow the value of that of that deal that they wouldn't see. Maybe I can add units because I don't understand density. Maybe I can attach the piece next door and 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 bring value that way and, and build more units. I mean, maybe I see um, whatever that there. There's just a million things I could see. It's just why knowledge is power. I mean, we've all been taught that by now. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Now we've you've you've said this word many times. They probably, maybe some of our listeners doesn't know. You keep talking about entitlements. Yes. You're the only one who talks about entitlements. You're doing entitlements. What is entitlements? Let's give it entitlements. Entitlements is basically the government giving you permission to do something. They are giving me permission to develop that land per what I submitted to them that I want to build. Okay. Yep. I don't care if a piece of land is zoned, has utilities. It's it's beautiful piece. It checks all the five boxes that I talked about earlier. Until you get that up development approved, you don't have shit. That's all right. you have is a piece of farmland. So, and that's where I think people get confused is, is they they just think, oh, I can just go in and develop. No, 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 no. No, you got to go through what's called entitlements. Um, you got to get the you got to get the stamp that yes, you mm-hmm. can go do that. Yeah. You know, a good friend of mine up in, in northern part of Arizona was wanting to do self-storage. Yep. So he just goes out and buys this land in this town. Yeah. Had no idea that it was not approved for self-storage and they didn't want any more self-storage in the city. Yep. So now he has this land. He goes, Mike, uh, need some land? <laughs> you know, yeah. he didn't go yeah. through the process. He just figured, I can go buy this land, put some self-storage on it. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't That's what we that teach way. all of that, how to understand all of that. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, and then also if someone, what doesn't, you know, we also have a passive, you know, I think I mentioned that to you after, before yeah, this talk call, about, talk about your fund. Have, yeah. Yeah. So we have, we did our first, you know, up until low, oh, a little over a year ago, we were just friends and family money. Right. And, and my own money. And then when I decided, 
to um that that I felt convicted this mission to to scale. And um, you know, many people have said to me recently that they think the first, you know, 19, 18, 19 years of my career was just practice. Right. And so now I'm finally getting after it. And uh and so so we've opened funds. So we did our first fund a little over a year ago and we literally just launched our second fund uh, a little over a week ago. And, uh, and we just, um, you know, it's like this fund will be 15 million, right? With 15 million, we'll be able to go do about 20 deals. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and the way we pay investors on that fund is it's, it's accredited investors and it's, a you know, a hundred thousand minimum. Uh, but that, uh, that I know of, I'm the only one out there about to quote what I'm about to quote you. Um, but you know, most of these syndications you hear about are real estate funds, the overall IRR mm-hmm. or your overall annualized return on your capital over the course of the deal, internal rate of return mm-hmm. on an annual annualized basis is like guys are quoting 16, 18%, somewhere in there usually. Okay. So because of my business model and how unique it is, uh, I just got my board to approve last night that uh, I'm going to do a 20% preferred return on this fund. So I'm going to pay you an annualized 20% return on your money to the investor before any profits are split up with an overall projected IRR of 29 to 34%. Okay. How is it that I can do that? Well, it's really simple. The reason I can do that. It's because the margins in my business model allow it. Okay. On average, we, we, if I go put uh, a dollar into a deal, I'm usually going to get that dollar back plus make $3. Okay. And the beautiful part about all that is I got another saying called DCD dirt controls deals. Whoever controls the dirt controls the deal, which then leads me to the next thing I like to talk about is, is that I'm in the business of controlling real estate. I'm not in the business of owning real estate. See, because what happens is we just went through a market correction, right? Mm-hmm. Guess who didn't get spanked? Me, because I control real estate. I don't own real estate. I do double closing, simultaneous closing. So after I get the project approved for development, I use my buyer's money to pay my seller and I make my profits out of the middle, right? So I only own the land for a split second, right? So what happens in a market correction? Well, I can push out the closing date to the other side of the downturn. I can renegotiate price. Worst, worst, worst case scenario, I can walk from the deal if I have to, right? But that's the beauty of when you control it versus own it. Just know this, people. As soon as you own the real estate, as soon as you take title, you lose most of your options, Mm -hmm. okay? And so because of all these factors, we are blessed with this little niche we have, right? It's our space. We're comfortable with it. And we're an authority in it. And so, but anyways, 20 pref people on a real estate fund. I don't know where else you're going to hear that. <laughs> you know, I'm doing the gun thing to the head. It's like, I haven't <laughs> either. And I know I couldn't do it. I couldn't offer that. No, no. Crazy. Like, like one of the names I just mentioned, he just launched a deal where he's offering, you know, a pref and a, in a split profit split, but his overall projected IRR is, you know, 16 to 18%. Yeah. And so how do I set myself aside from the pack based upon my business model? Well, I just make my, just my pref alone outperform your whole deal. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but if you're interested in, in, in our fund, just go to alliedlandfund.com. That simple alliedlandfund.com. And where else can people find you, Cody? 
Uh, Cody, I mean, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. LinkedIn. Go to CodyBugan.com, which is C-O-D-Y, last name, B as in boy, J-U-G-A-N. Go to CodyBugan.com, search me on Facebook, Instagram. You'll, you'll find us. Absolutely. And remember, everybody, the freebie. Get Yes. Go, go to vestrite.com slash geek and get that free playbook. I mark my words. You'll come out the other side much more knowledgeable. Cody, I appreciate you coming on the Richard Geek podcast. It's been enlightening. 20 pref people. Come on. <laughs> you got to do it. Got, at least look into it. Verivest. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Vestrite and uh, CodyBugan.com, Vestrite.com. And, look and alliedlandfund.com for the fun. Alliedlandfund.com. Look him up and learn. Cody, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Richard Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.